since COVID, that seems to be an even more pertinent question. A lot of people were asking that during COVID. Maybe even you were asking that. But church is actually God's plan A for spiritual formation and extending and establishing his kingdom is through the church, through the people of God. So yeah, it's important, but we recognize that we are in an era in, in, in recent years now, post-COVID, but even in an era, we recognize that the church is in need of a, could I say, a rebuild. It exists, but it needs a rebuild. Stats Canada said that fully one-third of Canadians as of 2021, it's even a bit higher in 2022, but the 2021 stats say that just over a third of Canadians report no religious affiliation. But you're here. And you're involved. And so why is it that you do what you do? Why is that? In a little while, I'm going to pause for some questions, and I hope that you will have some. I hope that you were preparing some questions for this morning. Maybe you already read through the chapter in our Westview News. If you don't get Westview News, let us know in the office. We send that out every Wednesday. There's a lot of good information there, but this time when I pause, you can stand up and ask a question. You can text or email to ask at Westview Church, and we will take your questions live. And the reason we do that also is because if you have a question, most likely people sitting around you are wondering and have a similar type of question, and so we get to participate together in that. We're in a series working through the book of Nehemiah, and uh, in the time of Nehemiah, the city of Jerusalem uh, it had been ransacked, people had been carted off, but now they had made their way back. And if you recall, Nehemiah had made his journey over to Jerusalem and he was told of the devastation of the city walls and the gates of the city. And so one night he does a survey. He surveys the situation. And yes... The walls are in ruins, the gates are gone, or destroyed, or in ruins. And yes, the physical walls and gates are in need of repair. Uh, and just to give you a sense of the sort of uh, physical uh, construction requirements or the things that they were up to, uh, they were building as a, a need for these walls and gates because of the vulnerability that they were, would experience. Uh, people could just ransack the people that were living there. There was danger. They could be subjugated. There was no way of protecting themselves from marauders and so on. The walls that they would need to construct would be made of mud brick. They would use timber and wood to frame and, and bolster, but particularly they would be using timber for the gates. They would construct the gates, and if you read, you would see that the gates were made up of four parts, and they were literally constructing on-site the gates that would be part of the walls. There was one wall called the Broad Wall, and um, I believe there was an excavation in the early 20th century, and they discovered a wall that may have been 
what was referred to in the broad wall in Nehemiah 3, but it was 20 feet in uh, width. The wall that they would construct would be approximately one and a half miles in circumference. It would uh, uh, cover about 80 or 90 acres, so it was smaller in um, scope than uh, the city of Jerusalem is today. But they would be doing it all by hand by constructing the bricks, um, honing the lumber, and putting it together. But the reason for this construction, yes, the physical walls needed to be constructed and the gates needed to be constructed, but what do we know about God's priorities and His interest and His focus? His interest and His priority, His focus is on people. When He created from the outset, all creation was for the purpose of the enjoyment of and the supervision by people. It was to be fruitful and multiply. And so this was for people. And so too, his interest here is for the people and for relationships and for community. And so there, this uh, aspect of rebuilding, is, there's more at stake than the mud bricks and the mortar. There's more at stake. There's the relationship, the holistic well-being of the people and community. So the scope of the rebuild that Nehemiah is looking at and how God is inspiring him, the scope of it, it involves the physical, but the focus is on the people. But the question remains, how will this rebuild be undertaken? How will it come about? How will this rebuild get underway? Well, you could say, you know, in where we are today, Westview, Calgary, Northwest, you might say, well, our bricks and mortar look pretty good. Um, yes, I would say that, you know, maybe there is some work to do. We, over the course of 2024, uh, we, we have a, an idea that maybe we want to paint and refresh the foyer or paint a few things. We need to build a little better, you know, station for the AV team and so on. So there's some things that we need to do and reimagining what it looks like in 21st century for usage in this space here. But mostly our, we could say that the, the brick and mortar aspect is fine. Now, I mean, if you talk to Bill Webb, who's looking after the furnaces in the fire suppression system, maybe he would have a few things to say, because <laughs> those things seem to show their age. But we are nevertheless vulnerable here as well. We discovered that we are vulnerable to isolation. That's one of the things that COVID uh, taught us, is that when we are on our own, when we are by ourselves, when we are locked away, it's not actually good. It's, it's, it's actually unhealthy. We are vulnerable to abstraction. When things are taught that are simply kept in the abstract, when spiritual is just spiritual, ethereal, in the abstract, and we have a poor understanding of what church actually is and means, we are vulnerable and susceptible to abstraction. We're vulnerable to materialism. 
Because for the most part, we're affluent. We can buy groceries. We have a place to live. We're fairly, you could say, uh, independent. And we could even say uh, independently wealthy in the sense that we can survive on our own. So we would think. And then we're vulnerable to busyness. The first question when you meet somebody is they want to know what you, what you do. And we tend to think that if we're working 40 hours, that's not bad. If you're working 50 hours or 60 hours, that's like, you know, cause for bragging. And we're busy. But what that means is we can be distracted and we can be driven by desires. And we're vulnerable to individualism which is a lie that says you're better on your own, you can do it on your own, it's best if you're independent. And so we have conflicts that can arise through this vulnerability and people ask questions about the relevance and the value of church. Young adults especially are asking these kinds of questions. Maybe you too are asking these kinds of questions brought on by some challenges, brought on by the last few years. Why is it that you do what you do? Yet we sense that there is a rebuild that is taking hold here at Westview. We sense that. We looked at our year end and we went, oh, that was good. And our missions uh, beyond ourselves team is coming alive and and. Westview kids, so we sense that there is a rebuild. So maybe the proper phrase is, how will the rebuild take hold? Well, what happens after Nehemiah surveys the situation in Jerusalem? What actually transpires? Do they have what we would call a big tent revival? They start talking and all of that, what actually happens? I'm going to read some excerpts from uh, Nehemiah chapter 3. I would, you know, in the interest of time, I'd read the whole thing. That's why I encourage you to read the whole chapter. But I'm just going to drop in in part so that you get a, a sense of what's going on here in Nehemiah chapter 3. Then the high priest Eliashib set to work with his fellow priests and rebuilt the sheep gate. And the men of Jericho built next to him and next to them, Zachar, son of Imri, built. The sons of Hassanah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set up its doors, its bolts and its bars. Next to them, Merimoth, son of Uriah, son of Hakaz, made repairs. Next to them, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, son of Meshesabel, made repairs. Next to them, Zadok, son of Vanna, made repairs. Next to them, repairs were made by Myelatiah, the Gibeonite, and Jaden, the Maranothite. Next to them, Uziel, son of Herahiah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs. Next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, made repairs. Next to them, Raphiah, son of Hur, ruler of the district of Jerusalem, made repairs. Next to him, Shulam, son of Halohesh, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, made repairs. He and his daughters... Hanan, in the inhabitants of Zenol, made repairs to the valley gate. 
They rebuilt it and set up the doors, its bolts and its bars, and repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the dung gate. After him, Nehemiah, son of Azbuk, a different Nehemiah, ruler of half the district of Bethzur, repaired from a point opposite the graves of David as far as the artificial pool in the house of the warriors. After him, the Levites made repairs, Rahum, son of Bani. After him, the priests, the men of the surrounding area, made repairs. After them, Benjamin and Hashab made repairs opposite their house. After them, Azariah, son of Messiah, son of Ananiah, made repairs beside his own house. After him, Benui, son of Henadad, repaired another section from the house of Azariah to the angle and to the corner. Palal, son of Uzai, repaired opposite the angle and the tower projecting from the upper house of the king at the court of the guard. After them, Zadok, son of Immer, made repairs opposite his own house. After him, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, made repairs opposite his living quarters. After him, Melchizedek, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs as far as the house of the temple servants and of the merchants opposite the muster gate and to the upper room of the corner. And between the upper room of the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants made repairs. Well, what do you notice? That's a glimpse. That's me dropping in. I give kudos to Nehemiah because there's some, what I would call some strong spiritual leadership. A follower of Jesus, making risks, inspiring people, getting people involved. And when you think of it, if danger is outside the walls and outside the gates, then to rebuild walls and gates is brave. To go ahead and do the rebuilding is brave. Brave is to rebuild. It takes courage, tenacity, and conviction. And it's a collective effort. Do you notice that? It's the people of God in, in what I would call almost like their fullness. Listen to the, the list. I, I, I made a list of some of the people that were involved. Brothers and sons, daughters, families, merchants, goldsmiths, perfumers, gatekeepers, temple servants, governors, rulers, priests, Levites. Oh, it must have been just the people in the inner city that were doing this. No. The surrounding area, Beth Hacharim, Beth Zur, Gibeon, Jericho, Kela, Mizpah, Ophel, Tekoetz, and Zenoa in the surrounding area. All of these people were involved in what was going on here in this rebuild. It was like a donor list. It was like, you know, in some of these places where they put up a list of those that contributed. Well, this is a list, and it was particular. They were paying attention, and they were taking names. They were literally writing down names, because names are important. Names are important. And do you notice the trajectory here of God's work? It is constructive. It is creative. It is life-giving. It is collaborative. All of that in contrast to what they were experiencing on, 
opposition and negativity and being anti and being restrictive. But no, this is entirely something else. And they didn't outsource it. They didn't say, well, we'll find out who the construction guys are, who are the masonries. Who? No, they didn't outsource it. Perfumer dude is on the wall. The merchant is there. The ruler is there, along with the servant is there. The goldsmith, oh, what? So the, the, the gate is going to work in a timely manner, maybe. They didn't outsource it. And so... The shock here, which is also a threat to some, but attractive and inspiring to others, is that this motley crew of people came together and worked together side by side, next to each other. Men and women, boys, girls, young, old, from the region, from the city, they put this together. They worked in harmony. They worked in shalom. And that's what made this community distinct. It still makes a community distinct to this day. This kind of posture. The outcome here is that the walls were rebuilt. The gates were constructed and installed. The outcome is further than that. Remember the scope of this. The, the physical was important, but the scope, the focus is on the people. And the outcome is that these people began to work together. They began to consider each other, literally side by side. Their community began to grow. Relationships began to grow. Their faith began to grow. All of this as an expression of the physical. So the spiritual and immaterial, the faith, finds form and expression through the physical. So when we ask how did this rebuild take place? How did it get started? How did it take hold? It took hold when a group of people from a variety of backgrounds and experience came together and engaged in working together side by side. Because it is people that make the community. Community makes community. The spiritual importance and meaning of Jerusalem is not negated by the emphasis of the physical nature of it. Yes, the walls were important, absolutely tangible. The material was important, and they needed to rebuild it. Jerusalem remained from that time on to the time of Jesus central to the salvific work of the Lord. But it is community that is the focus. In fact, listen. Salvation, redemption, rescue is the work of community. God the Father sent God the Son. God the Son gave up His life. 
And God the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. It is God who is community, who establishes community. So right from the outset of creation, when we hear the creation story and it gets to the part where our creator creates human beings, the language switches to plural and the language is let us create humankind in our image because humankind is meant and created and designed to be community. as a reflection and an outpouring of God who himself is community. When Jesus Christ began his earthly ministry, what was one of his first priorities? He went and began to connect with people. Why did God, the Son, Jesus, need a, a, a fisherman or, or a tax collector? No, he didn't. But he knew and his focus was to establish community. In fact, Jesus' ministry was, came within and from community. And when he departed... Before he ascended, Matthew records in Matthew 20, 28, 18, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have taught you. And I will be with you even to the end of the age. And he was addressing the community. kingdom, our destiny as followers of Jesus is going to be and is community. It is a group of people. You know, sometimes we think that the kingdom of God is this ethereal other place where people go when they die. And we think of this kingdom of God and we, we sing, I'll fly away. And it's this abstract, vague place where people go when they die. And as a result, what seeps into our line of thinking is that the ordinary, common, regular part of our day-to-day -day isn't as important or doesn't matter. And maybe even the kingdom of God isn't here, it's over there. And if that's the case, then the church is irrelevant. Community is irrelevant and unimportant. But it's not the case. Because from the beginning of human history and followers of Jesus Christ onward, God has been working with people and people have joined with the Trinity in establishing community. In bringing the kingdom of God here already. Not yet fully realized, but the kingdom of God being community, the community of the follower of Jesus, as a foreshadow of what it will be like someday when Christ returns and establishes forever and permanence, time without end, a new earth and a new heaven. And it will be lived in community. Wow. What a day that will be. We're followers of Jesus. 
God's invitation, his call has always been we, not me. It's we, not me. Well, the character of this community is a particular kind of community. We have community centers. We have different places where people gather. But there's a particular character to this community, and that is the king determines the kind of kingdom. And the character of our community is Jesus. He establishes the character of the community that we aspire to, that we want to be and live out. And you know what's interesting? The tax collectors and the prostitutes and the marginalized and the people that were looked down upon, they gravitated towards Jesus. There was just something about Jesus, His love, His acceptance. He never compromised, but they gravitated towards Him. But they stayed away from the synagogues. They stayed away from those places and from the Pharisees because they weren't experiencing it there. And what's interesting to me is that the church in the 20th and 21st century experiences something very similar. is that the marginalized and the people who really need and are desperate for relationship, we all need community, but it seems like they don't necessarily find it in the church when the church is exactly supposed to be the place where we can find it, where we don't judge, where we discern and we ascertain, but the place of growth and maturity and flourishing necessarily needs to be within the community of the followers of Jesus Christ. And Westview... You know, we're, we're known to be welcoming. People say, I, I, I've come here and I sense that, that the, you're welcoming and you're friendly and I think that's awesome and that's a great place to start. We need to continue to be welcoming and friendly. Our vision starts with that word belong. We want people to have a sense that they belong. And yes, the church needs to be a place where we go and tell about Jesus, but it also needs to be a place where we can say, come and see. And so I want to encourage you. I'm going to pause in a minute for Q&R, but can this be a place where we can actually invite people who are skeptical, who are wondering, who are unsure, or whatever the case may be, can this be a place where we can say, come and see, and we are confident that people aren't going to give them a hard time, people aren't going to judge them, people aren't going to hassle them. We're going to keep our statement of faith, but this is going to be a place where we grow and where people have an impact because of community, the power of community. I want to pause here for some Q&R before we wrap things up. If you have a question, you can text or email it to ask at westviewchurch.ca or stand where you are and Tyler will bring a microphone to you. But I invite you to ask some of your questions and then I'm going to try and bring some of this together. If you have a question. Excellent. You want to 
jog down that way. Yeah, so talking about community, I have a friend who's really, really, I would say he's very intelligent. He's a good guy. He's not a Christian. Mm -hmm. We've talked about faith before, and he's said, I really wish I had the belief that you have, mm. that you have that comfort person. He actually referred to it as a walkie-talkie to God, okay. a walkie-talkie to someone to talk to. Yeah. How do I go from there? Because, like, mm -hmm. he's expressed that, but he also has expressed unbelief in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So where do we go from there? So uh, thank you for that question. And uh, I, I also um, affirm you that you have friends or friend that is not a follower um, and that's a that's an important part of of all of this too is that we don't inoculate ourselves but that we build relationships with people that are not yet followers of Jesus that's important the fact that he's asking questions or this person is asking questions is also good that means the channel is open that's so vital if we're able to be approachable somebody that we can ask questions and enter into dialogue you know, I, I sometimes, um, some of it is conversation. So we can, we can wonder things with them. I wonder about this. I wonder about that. Um, clearly, the way you're living is a, a bit of a demonstration already that something is going on. What I would also say is that the physical, doing something together is a way of discovering more about who God is, discovering what my faith is all about, and discovering more about myself. And so if this person is interested, for example, we set these chairs up early on Sunday morning, inviting him to say, look, why don't you just come? Like, let's, we could just keep talking and debating, but why don't we just start engaging a little? I'm not asking you to, to you know, uh, start praying or reading your Bible or all that. Just come with me. We're going to set up chairs on, on Sunday morning. Meet a couple people. There's something that is necessary about the physical and about being active together, doing something together. Going, um, we have a food bank. We, you know, even going to uh, uh, one of the missions or something. But being active together is another, another great way to begin to engage. So I would, I would encourage that as a way of, yeah, that's a good, good question. Yeah. You guys make me walk today. All right. Yeah, that's good. That's fine. Men mental note, different, get my, uh, get, my get steps your in. runners on. That's good. Christian Communities Center focuses God and Jesus' teachings what is missing or lost from the original church when one Christian community fights or argues with another, i.e. Catholic versus Protestant? Right. Yeah. Good. So, so what happens, what, what's missing when, when there seems to be uh, conflict or when there's disagreement? Is, is that kind of what you're asking? Yeah. So what's interesting, like, if I even just start with this, the, the case of the people of uh, the Israelites in Jerusalem at this time of Nehemiah, okay? They were under threat. Um, they were being essentially subjugated because the walls are down, the gates are down. They could, but, but after a little while, they adapted and they adjusted to their circumstance and they've started building their own homes. They started building their own businesses and they became, in essence, self-oriented and self-centered. 
You could say a modern uh, maxim might be they lost the plot. They just began to adapt and adjust to their environment and they, they forgot all about that they were followers of, of God and meant to be followers of, in modern language, followers of Jesus Christ. And you could say, well, what difference does it make? It, we're designed to be in community and we're designed to be in relationship with God and as we wander further and further away from that, it is absolutely baked in that it will become ruinous for us. Harm will come. That's what happened there. And I believe that that's what happens a lot. When I talk about vulnerability, it happens as well in our day and age when we begin to think in terms of being individualistic, self-centered, self-oriented, and all of these things, as opposed to following Jesus Christ, having His character shape and form our congregation and who we are. And when churches begin to think about debating things like the color of the carpet in the entrance or begin to... Th like when you take your mind off of what God has in mind for us, that's when conflicts can arise. Oh, that you shouldn't spill coffee or the juice and the ha huh, And we're like, what? What are we talking about? There are times when doctrine comes into play. Sure, there are doctrinal differences. But I would say this, if we are going to be Christ-centered and formed by the cross, then if we have a disagreement, then we come back to Christ Jesus in our understanding of Him. And then at least we're talking about Christ. So I think it's a good question, um, and that's why I, I keep coming back to being crystal-centric, Christ-centered. That's good. Yeah. One more. It came in, so I don't have to go anywhere. Love yeah. it. You're my favorite. <laughs> kidding. I believe community starts in the family that we have. Family is complicated sometimes, and so the disintegration starts from there. How does one go about trying to preserve this community, especially when we are already believers of Christ? Mm -hmm. So community, that first part again is... I believe community starts in the family that we have, but family is complicated sometimes, and so this disintegration kind of starts from there. How wow. do we go about trying to preserve community, especially when we are already believers of Christ? Okay, yeah, so community starts with the family we have, um, but then th that can be complicated. Well, and let's just say it. I haven't met a family yet that isn't complicated. Yep. Okay? So it's true. And so there's some disintegration and disruption. So how do we maintain? So let me just challenge for a second. What's, when we say family, I'm, I'm going to assume that what you mean is biological family. What's interesting here, friends, is the fact that you're all sitting together right now is you have chosen to do this. You've been inspired by the Holy Spirit. You've been prompted by the Holy Spirit to get your children ready or to get yourself ready. And you're sitting here together because the Lord has prompted you. You've agreed with the Holy Spirit and you're sitting here this morning, which is different than your biological family. This is your community. Your biological family is your biological family, and I hope they can be part of the community. We want them to be part of the community. That's a family that you have been born into and that you grow up with. And then you make a choice as a follower of Jesus that you're going to identify with Jesus Christ and the local body, which is the church. And so that's where it gets complicated because we all have different backgrounds and different experiences and different ethnicities and all of that. And what we're trying to, this sort of unspoken assumption is that if we're followers of Jesus and we're all here together, we must be perfect and good. Psst. 
know, let me just bring, like, you know, no, it, it's not, that's not true. We're sinners saved by grace. We need each other. We need to be in community together. Nobody's perfect. We're all working this out. But if we agree that we can collaborate together and have this person is next to this person is next to this person is next to this person and we're doing it together and when we make a mistake, we say, man, I, I messed up. And you say, you know what? Grace, let me grace abound because the next time you're going to need it. It's effort. It takes actual intentionality but it's a distinct community because you can go and buy anti, like you can get that off on the street. Who's against that? Who's against that? Who's against that? Who hates this? Who doesn't like this? I can get that for free anytime out on the street. But to be together and grace-filled and collaborative as a community of Jesus Christ, that's distinct. That's a reflection of the Trinity. Yeah. That's okay. good. Let's wrap up with one more here. Okay. You guys are sending good. This is good. Okay. I like good. it. Nice. So how do you think church needs to be reimagined to capture the interest of new people that come to church? Mm-hmm. Does coming to church and sitting in the seat, listening to music, listening to sermons, is that enough? Right. If someone comes to Westview, say, for four weeks but doesn't feel anything different, is something missing? Mm-hmm. What was the format of the first church, and was it more of a place of community than perhaps what we have today? Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow, you yeah. have time to type. I know, right? <laughs> I can just give it to you here because it's, it's gold, man. Okay, yeah. I should say Q&R under 200 words. Okay. Um, They're not tweets anymore, so I don't know, <laughs> no, I don't know what exactly. the character... Yeah, oh, anyways. I appreciate that. Yeah, so this is good. I like that question because it opens it up. And so what did you notice about the, the, the reconstruction of that city? And how did, the, how, did the, how did the rebuilding of community get established? And, and how did they begin to look away from their own self sort of orientation, their self-interest? And, and how did that happen? Was it Nehemiah and a bunch of the, the you know, the, the carp? No, they didn't outsource. People took responsibility. People got involved. So... That's really, for, for this to really take hold, for this to really get engagement and traction, it actually will require all of us and all of the spiritual gifts that, that you have been given. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the Lord has given you a spiritual gift. And if you don't know what it is, you can start. Go to our website and there's an inventory that you can find out and discover what it is. You have passions and abilities and skills. Every single follower of Jesus Christ. And you can engage with that and get involved with that. And don't wait for the pastor to do the the thing, the professional part, because it's community. It's we, not me. I won't notice everybody that's that's new or guest or visitor. And so maybe with that, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually transition here because I want to wrap this up. But I, this is a good, good launching point. Yeah. I'm gonna invite the music team to come up here. A music team, if you would join me. Many of you are already engaged here in the community at Westview. Many of you are already involved, giving in various ways. And your names are recorded on that list, that donor list, if you will. And I want to just encourage you, that, that is your legacy. Your eternal legacy. 
That is kingdom work. And the kingdom of God will be established for all time. Time without end. When you are working towards the kingdom and you are contributing to the kingdom, that is eternal legacy. We don't even know the extent of that outcome until someday when Christ returns and we're going to have our, our socks blown off when we go, wow, I had no idea. So I want to encourage you to continue, if that's you, to continue that. Continue your involvement. Continue the work that you're doing. And some of you are maybe hesitant. Maybe you're kind of like dating the church. Checking her out online. Swiping right. It's not for me. But I want to encourage you to engage. To get involved. And a way to even do that, to again respond to some of this question, is to get to know people's names. Get to know people's names. It's so practical. Sometimes we over-spiritualize what we're talking about here, right? Abstract as opposed to concrete. Get to know people's names. And you say, well, I've been here so long, I should know people's names, and so it would be embarrassing. Well, get over it. Who cares? Ask them their name. Find out their name. Uh, just call it like, oh, I forgot or something. Get to know people's names. We've also put in our Westview News, we... We have a church directory, and it's online, but we're still missing faces. And, and we would love for you to send us a digital picture of you so we can put names and faces together. And if you want, you can uh, have access to it. We're not going to put it on social media. We're not going to post it anywhere. But we get, to know, we get to know who's sitting around us and who's sitting with us, and we get to see the faces, and we get to learn. And even the spellings, because the spellings of the names are important. Get to know evaluate what are my priorities, what's my focus, what's my interest. Continue, get engaged, and then discover. You know, this question, like, what would be a next step? Discover, you can discover more about God and more about your faith and more about yourself when you are active. And active doesn't mean, need to be complicated. But you will discover more about community, about another person. You will discover more about your faith and about yourself when you are active. Sage meets here uh, Thursday afternoons. You can't say, uh, well, it's only for the young because the, the older are active too. And, and we set up chairs on, uh, early on Sunday mornings. It doesn't have to be complicated. Come and unstack or stack some chairs. Children's ministry. Serving coffee uh, on the sound desk. What is your passion? What is your spiritual gift? Come and tell us and we'll reimagine. But it's through being active that you discover more about God and about your faith and about yourself. Food bank. The list goes on. They want us to do two days instead of one. And the last thing I'll say is invite people. Continue, engage, discover, but invite people to come and see, to experience community, the community of the follower of Jesus. Listen, if we cannot invite people, then we need to know why. 
then we need to make changes. That we need to adjust. I mean, if it's one thing if you say, well, I don't, I don't have any friends that, that aren't already followers of Jesus. Well, I say, well, then start there. <laughs> you know, start hanging out and, and building relationships. But, or you say, well, I'm an introvert and I'm kind of shy. Well, take a step, but invite people. And if you say, well, Coop, we can't invite them here, then, then let us know. community, they will discover. It's we. It's we. It's necessarily we. Not me. Not Tyler. Tosh or Hanukkah. We will equip. We will be, you know, we'll fan the flames. I want to do something this morning that we learned from our friends in Rwanda. Um, you know, the title of this sermon was Who's Next? Who's next to you? Who's going to be next? Uh, When we were in Rwanda, we were at a pastoral retreat for a couple of days, and one of the things they did on the second day is they had half of the group sing and the other half of the group pray out loud. And it was just this orchestra, this phenomenal orchestra of singing and praying. And then they switched it and the prayers sang and the singers prayed out loud before our God and our Creator. So I'd like to do that this morning. I'm going to go and just right down the line here. So Melville's, you're going to sing and pray separately. <laughs> like that. Rebecca and Mark, you make it over there. Roy and Marlene, you made it over there. Swanson's, you get to stay together. We're going to just go right down this way. So there's going to be this half over here and this half over here, okay? And more, we're going to stand up. And I'm going to lead this half. You're going to start with singing. In this half, you're going to start with praying out loud. It's maybe something you haven't experienced or done before, but it's okay.